When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by regular podder, the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. Today on Record Rangers, we take an in-depth look at Sean Gossie's Rangers career so far and analyse the Daily Record's exclusive story regarding Ian Holloway's comments on his future. We review the talking points from a fantastic result in performance at McDermott Park and has Graham Murty already done enough to be named the next permanent Rangers manager? Okay, so we'll start right away with the big news. We've had the exclusive this morning with Ian Holloway regarding Sean Goss and basically what Ian's saying, if you've not seen the, the article, I know you will have read it, Scott, but for, for yeah. any listeners that haven't, is that Sean Goss isn't for sale. Before we go into the detail on that, what's your overall take on what he's given to the team, Scott? I think he's been outstanding so far, Johnny. I think he's, uh, I think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, when you look at the guys Rangers signed in January, um, you know, we had Jamie Murphy's, Greg Dockerty's, Russell Martin's, people like that. I mean, of all the the guys who came in, he was probably you know the one with the least profile. You know, despite the fact he'd been at Man United and then had moved on to QPR, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I just think he's given Rangers. Uh, I think he's given them a, an authority in midfield, but not an authority in a kind of you know, a physical sense. He's not a by any stretch a kind of destroyer in the middle of the park. He is, and we spoke about it before when he signed up when I first saw him uh, in America. He's in the Michael Carrick mould. No, he's got that. Uh, he's got that kind of kind of stature about him. He plays in that 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 kind of style, that kind of language style. He sits in front of the back four. He dictates the tempo. Dictates, uh, no, dictates the game for Rangers. Um, and that was something that they'd been lacking. I mean, without being unkind to, to guys like, like Ryan Jack, for instance, no, he, he was probably brought in to do a, a kind of similar role at the start of the season, but it didn't quite work out for him. Obviously, it's kind of suspension issues, and then, and then obviously an injury, but. I just think Goss has come in and been a and been a revelation. And the last couple of games, that partnership between him and Greg Doherty, uh, which is to be honest, has been unfortunate and a bit unfair on on Jason Holt. Um, but the two of them seem to have struck up an instant uh, kind of partnership in the middle of the park. There's a real blend there. You no, know, you've got the kind of. Uh, the kind of silky, kind of creative um, attributes, you no know, passing attributes that Goss has, as I say, dictating the game, and then you've got the energy, the drive, the kind of, um, you know, the, the kind of tenacity of of Doherty. So the two of them go hand in hand perfectly. And I know, listen, it's only been a few games against the likes of Hamilton and and St. Johnson, but um, it, it's it bodes well for the future if somehow Rangers could get Goss on board uh, full-time. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the hipsters would be calling him a, a register, Scott, a register. All right. Is that right? That's, that's, a, a, that's a new one in me. <laughs> a deep lying playmaker in the in the mould of a. Well, if we were picking a player out of uh, out of the hat, I'm not suggesting he's as good as this, but in terms of styles, a Michael Carrick or an Andreas yeah. Pirlo. And yeah. I think he's a bit of Busquets is another one. He does that kind of that right, kind of exactly. job as well, doesn't he? He sets the tempo of the game. Yeah. But Barry Ferguson did it for years. Yeah, he did. That's he's, exactly he's... what his role was. Not not dissimilar to Barry Ferguson, and he and he's shown uh, the last couple of or the last few games, like Barry did for for a few seasons when he was given a bit more license to go forward. That he's he's got a goal in him. I mean, his set piece delivery is superb. He's already scored two uh, dead ball free kicks against Hibs and St Johnson. Two brilliant finishes. Um, he clearly no he likes a pop for, for long range, so he's got that in his locker as well. I mean it. Listen, it's early days. You don't want to get carried away, but I mean, it looks as if he's got you no know, everything. Everything you need certainly to be a to be a Rangers midfielder. But I mean, it looks to me as if he could play. It it, it defies belief that that QPR, a team who I think were were hammered, you no know, five two at home at the weekend by by Yeah, I mean, toiling and uh, they can have bottom half of the championship. It just defies belief as to how how this guy. Wasn't deemed good enough to be anywhere near their their starting eleven. Does that, that maybe speak to the the kind of league the championship is though? It's you know hundred miles an hour. The premium is on physicality. You see lads going down there, and if they're not big, strapping, strong guys, sometimes they just yeah. get swept away by the just the sheer physicality of it all down there. Yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, I I've spoken to uh, someone in the, the last few days who. Who does a bit of work for QPR, you no know, scouting work and stuff, and um, he's obviously been speaking to the club about what what Goss has brought to Rangers, how he's performed, things like that. And the, the kind of feedback I'm getting is that that QPR aren't surprised at all by the by the reports that are going back there in terms of what we're talking about, dictating tempo, you no know, deep line, deep line midfielder controlling the game. They they aren't surprised by his technique and his ability. That's why they signed him. From, from Man United in the first place. However, despite Ian Holloway's comments this morning, the, the, the feedback I'm getting is that, that long-term, they feel as if he's probably not the type of player they need in that in that league uh, for the championship, which again surprises me because, as I said, as well as the kind of passing attributes or the technical ability he's got, I think he's got a bit of stature about him. I don't think he's easily... No shrugged off the ball, as I say. I don't think he's a he's not a destroyer by any stretch, but he can still look after himself. He's still get that. No, he, he must be six foot. He's still get that that kind of physique that I think he would be able to handle it down there. Is but, there a sense that Ryan Jack is the kind of player that if the game's tough, if it's maybe Aberdeen away or you're going to Parkhead, someone who's just going to sit in there, keep the ball neat and tidy, he's maybe your man. Yeah. But for games where the rest of the games, where the vast majority of the time Rangers are on the front foot and they're looking to pick the ball up in deep positions yeah. and play it forward, that's what Goss brings. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the one game, you- you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I think the one game that Goss hasn't started for Murty was the Fraserburgh away game. Now, he probably looked at that game, I don't think that was a case of just, just giving him a rest. I think he looked at the conditions that night, he looked at the pitch, was which was a, a horror show. Um, and just thought, 
no, it's no his it's no his type of game. And it probably wasn't. I think I think he played Andy Halliday that night in the in the middle of the park with, with Jason Holt. Um so yeah, you're right. No QPR are maybe thinking no, going away from home to your no I mean it's it's good stadiums that you're playing in down there, but no, there's some tough, tough teams, no, you can going away from home like your Barnsleys and your uh, people like that. So as I'll say again, I don't think they believe really that this guy is a guy that's going to get us get us out of the championship. If, for instance, they did go out of the championship and get to the get to the Premier League, then no, ironically, they might actually change their tune and think, right, this guy, this guy could do as a turn. But in terms of Holloway's comments, I think QPR are just are playing a game with Rangers here. I think they're well aware of how well Goss uh, has done in this kind of early part. He's, He's Rangers loan, and I think they are kind of playing their cards close to their chest. If you like, I think they know that they've got an asset. They know know that he's been a success up here. Whether they believe behind closed doors that he's right for them or not, no, they know that by performing well up here, Goss has put himself in the short window. Um, and I, I believe if he keeps going the way he's going, no, it won't just be Rangers that are. That are looking to try and get him. There'll be other clubs interested. QPR have to have to bear that in mind. I mean, they signed him for a for a few hundred thousand, I think, from from Man United. They'll be looking at that, thinking whether he gets into our first team or not. But we've got an asset here. We can make a bit of a, a bit of a profit, whether it's Rangers or somebody else. So that that's that's the game I think Holloway's playing at the moment. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's only played six games. Yeah, uh, he's twenty-two up to this point. He's already surpassed that at Rangers. Yeah, have we got any info on on how he's settling and how what he thinks about his future? I mean, I'm I'm assuming he must be loving it up here. Well, I mean, you can only go with, with Graham Murty's comments, and he he suggests that you no know, Goss is loving it. I mean, we we spoke to the player in, in America. As I said, only I don't think he'd played a game at that point. Um, and he was just so pleased at the prospect of of playing football again. I mean, he had a terrible, um, he had a terrible injury when when he was at Man United uh, that, that he spoke about. He actually broke his back um, in in a game and, and woke up one morning could barely barely move. And I think there was genuine fears for him and others at that point that you no know, his career might be in, might be in jeopardy. So. He was out for a long time. That obviously curtailed his his Man United career, um, and I think it's been spoken about before. No, a, a lot of people admired him uh, at Man U for actually going to the. Um, I think it was Jose Mourinho at the time and saying, "No, I want to, I want to go because I mean I think he was he was doing well down there after injury, but he just wanted to go out and go out and play games. He goes to QPR thinking this is a perfect." Platform for me, dropping down a, a division, you no know, to get get his career back in track, and again, it hasn't worked out for him for one one reason or another. So he'll be, you, you can almost tell Johnny the way he's playing the game. He just looks, he looks happy. Um, he, he's really relishing not only playing but being a pivotal player for Rangers now, and as we say, actually controlling games and dictating games. And Rangers have got some big games coming up. Um, I mean, the old Firm game is the obvious one. A week on Sunday, it'll be you no know, beamed all over, all over Britain, all over the world. If he goes in there, you no know, against your against your Scott Browns and your Olivier and Shams and people like that, and, and controls the game and dictates the game the way he has been, 
then a lot of folk, you no know, down south and beyond, certainly not just QPR, a lot of folk would be looking at that and thinking, if you can do that, you no, know, in, in that sort of environment, you no, know, and, and kind of reproducing the form that made Man U sign him in the first place from from Exeter City, you no, know, a few years ago, there'll be a lot of clubs interested in him. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, because he's got a very specific skill set, doesn't he? He's, he's one of these players that you could see playing in Italy or or France or, or Spain. He's, he's, he's got that, that quality on the ball and that composure, and that's really what he's brought to the Rangers midfield that wasn't yeah. maybe there to the extent that it is now because you, you give him the ball and you know that you, he's, going to, he's going to give it to you in an area that, that gives you the best opportunity to get that ball forward or... Or take that ball on because he's, he's yeah. a precise passer. Yeah, and it's difficult for it's difficult for any player, especially you know, as you say, he's still a young player that's not played many games. Difficult for a guy to just come into a club the size of Rangers, and as I say, immediately, you know, make that kind of make that kind of impact and immediately take that responsibility. You no, know, it's difficult to get into a dressing room, you no, know, a new dressing room, and and. No, can I take control of that? But it looks as if the Rangers players, no, have complete trust in him. No, he he's the one that go that will go and take the ball off the off the back four and and build attacks. I think he's got a he's got a great range of passing. Whether it's short or long, it doesn't really bother him. He's got a terrific uh, terrific left foot. Um, I, I've noticed it's just a small thing, but I've noticed in the last few games, especially Rangers. I think a lot, of, a lot of the success Rangers had against Hearts, for instance, was being able to switch the play quick, you no, know, for for one side to the other. And I think Goss is is vital in that. Uh, it was it was terrific against Hearts, and a lot of it was, you no, know, if it wasn't working for them down the left hand side, if the attack wasn't wasn't going the way they wanted, it, they would quickly get out via Doherty or Goss, but normally Goss and get it switched over to the right and and vice versa. Um, so, listen. He's been a he's been a brilliant acquisition so far. It's it's early days. The Rangers fans, certainly the ones I've spoken to, desperate to to try and keep him for for next season. I think most of them, no, would want Rangers to to try and talk to QPR already, which it looks as if as if they have. But no, by Holloway's comments this morning and by how well Goss is playing. It looks even at this stage as if that might be a difficult a difficult transfer to, to make happen. He's a wily operator though, Ian Holloway. He's been around the block the block. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he, know, he knows what he's he knows what he's doing. Um and listen, who's to say no, despite what we're saying about his his style and that maybe not being suitable, if it, if he plays that well and as I say, if he goes and dominates an old firm game and no, Dictates a a game against Celtic where, where Rangers maybe uh, not put in a good performance and, and maybe even beat Celtic. Then Holloway might say, you know what, I, I can't ignore this guy anymore. No, if I don't care if clubs are if clubs are in for him, if if this guy is in this rich vein of form, no, it just might be no for for Holloway and Cooper it might just be a bit a bit grabbing that moment and saying right, he's back up to that loan. To Rangers has been brilliant for him. It's got his confidence back. He's not picked up any injuries. He's playing every week. This this has been a great. They'll see it as a, as been a great uh, bit of business for them, getting them up here for for six months or whatever it is. And they might just think, you know what, we can't ignore this guy any longer. Let's get him back during the summer. I don't care who comes in for him. 
we want them to start our, our championship campaign next year in the in the middle of the park. So brass tacks, Scott, what do you think that Rangers are going to be looking at? You've already said that you feel that there will there could be a deal going, even though you've obviously given the, the counter uh, argument to that. How much do you think QPR will be looking at in terms of a transfer fee? I'll just quickly talk about another player who I think is, compar- is comparable, which is John yeah. Terrell. Yeah. Ross, for me, has had twice the impact already that Terrell had. Um I thought Terrell was a tidy player, but Goss has actually come in and fit in and is dominating games. Yeah. Terrell went for three million. I know. So where does that put Goss's value? Yeah, I mean that's three million for Terrell does seem incredible now. When you as you say, when you look at the impact he had at Rangers, I mean he was a different type of player, I would I would say, but the the thing about Terrell is no, he was coming from Arsenal. You had to go to Arsenal to get him, which I think makes a difference. I know QPR are a big club and there's a lot of money in the Championship as well as the Premier League. But I suppose when you go to Arsenal for a fringe player, you are going to probably pay over the over the odds. Um, I reckon if if Rangers and QPR were to do a deal tomorrow, um, if we if we take it as read that QPR, I think paid five hundred thousand for him for Manu. Given the impact that he's had at Rangers, if QPR wanted to get a deal done, I think they would be saying to Rangers, look, we're looking for you know, somewhere in the region of one and a half, two million, two million quid. Um, and f- listen, for a 22, 23-year-old, if your Rangers you know, having, having witnessed the, the kind of impact that he's had you know, both in the dressing room and in the park, no, that that would look like money well spent. I think if you could if you could go and get that deal get that deal done uh, in the summer, early on in the summer. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think if QPR were to ask for any more than two million, it would be it would be a bit cheeky. But as I say, who knows if he goes and if he goes and keeps performs uh, if he keeps performing well, particularly in the old firm game. You know, and Rangers, I don't know, if Rangers go on to, no, say Rangers go and win the Scottish Cup or something, he, he does well in the Cup final or whatever, then Cooper might be able to, to drive that price upwards uh, if they're looking to sell. But if they were doing a deal tomorrow, I think Rangers would need to pay about one and a half, uh, one and a half, two million for him. And as I say, that that to me would look like a, look like a bargain at the moment, given his, his age and his ability. Okay, well, keep following us on Facebook and Twitter and on the website, The Daily Record, and we'll have all the news on this story as it progresses. Moving on, Scott, we've touched on the Goss and Doherty partnership, which was absolutely excellent against St. Johnson. Overall, a very, very solid performance. It felt like, you know, five games now on the bounce that Rangers have won. You're getting back to a level of consistency, perhaps, that's reminiscent of Rangers and their pomp. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Johnny. It doesn't seem that long ago we were quizzing Pedro Cachinha and even Graham Murphy on the fact that Rangers couldn't win three games, three games in the trot. No, they hadn't done it for so long in the campaign. But you're right. <clears throat> I mean, it was a listen. St. Johnson had a few injuries. I know they won last weekend, but in general, they've been, they've been pretty off for them. So I always thought Rangers would go there and get the three points, but I didn't probably didn't think it would be quite as as convincing. I mean, the game was obviously over at half time. Um, when the fourth goal went in from Morelos in the second half, I thought this could be six or seven. I mean, it was almost 
no, talking about being reminiscent, I mean, it, when it went 4-0, it reminded me of uh, a game up at Perth in the, the Dick Advocate era, I think it was Stephen Givarsh made his debut and, and scored a hat-trick, and I think it was, I think it was seven uh, that night. And at that point, you thought, this, this could be six or seven quite quite comfortably. Rangers were you no know, opening St. Johnson up at will. They were controlling the game, dictating the game, creating chances. But I think the one, and I think Graham Murty touched on it, after the game, he said the dressing room, he was pleased because the dressing room were a bit disappointed. Um, I think the one minor criticism he would have, and I would probably have, is that in the second half, they did take their foot off the gas slightly. Uh, the game became a wee bit a wee bit stop-start. They knew that the points were in the bag. Um, and as I say, did take the foot off the accelerator a wee bit. But listen, they, they can have no complaints. Um, take up there, one so convincingly, 4-1, really good attacking performance again, having controlled the game for the full 90 minutes. Um, it was really good. I actually thought, in terms of Goss and Doherty's partnership, I thought they played even better against Hearts in the previous game. Uh, I thought Doherty in the Hearts game was immense. I thought that was his best game. It really showed why Rangers were desperate to sign him. It was a glimpse into the into the future, I think, for fans, because if he produces the kind of performance he did against Hearts, then he's going to be a top top player for, for Rangers in, in years to come. But again, they, they were good. I thought... Uh, I thought Goss was be- better than Doherty against St. Johnson, but the two of them, as I say, controlled the game for the middle of the part, and there was never, no right for the off in that game, there was there was never any doubt that Rangers were going to win it comfortably. And Doherty's pass for Windass's goal was surely going to be one of the passes of the season. Brilliant. I mean, it's the weight of the pass, Johnny. You can't, you can't underestimate how difficult a pass that was. That No, that, that kind of pass is attempted regularly in games. You see it every week and it's so easy, you know, it's so easy to, to overhit it. Uh, but the the weight on the pass, the, the way he cushioned it into, into Windass had, had managed to kind of break the, break the offside was uh, was terrific. As I said, I mean, that was a pass of the game from Doherty, but even then, I still thought that he was, that he was better against Hearts. Um, the thing I liked about him against Hearts was that no, Murty was right when he when he'd previously said that he felt Doherty was trying too hard to impress. Um, I know Rangers fans on social media and that seemed to be raving about his performance at Hamilton, but I thought it was average against Hamilton. I, I agreed with Murty. I thought he was trying too many things. He was getting caught up in too many things. He wasn't playing his natural game, and it still looked as though he was the you know, he was the wee boy that that had signed for his his boyhood club and couldn't quite get his his head round it was just trying to do everything I think against Hearts after Marty's comments it was brilliant how Doherty he seemed to just pick his moments in the game he played everything kind of neat and tidy but then there would just be an explosion of pace where he would just drive forward and beat two or three men or he would get a shot off or he would career into a, into a tackle he picked his moments brilliantly in the game and I think that the top midfielders around at the moment, wherever you go, that's kind of one of the secrets to, to their success is that they they pick moments in games where they go and uh, go and make a real impact. And I thought Doherty did that against uh, against Hearts brilliantly. 
Morelos' goal was was another one I think worth uh, touching on. Uh, yeah, wonderfully deft header, and another assist for James Tavernier, who, in my opinion, now is indisputably the best right back in Scotland. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, uh, I was asked online uh, yesterday for kind of candidates for for Player of the Year uh, this year, and it was kind of put in the spot, and obviously. Ourselves as the the Scottish Football Writers Association, as well as the the PFA award, obviously we'll have to, uh, we we'll be getting voting forums out soon for for Player of the Year, and it's difficult. I don't think I wouldn't say there's a there's an outstanding candidate. Uh, no, like I think in the last few years it's been it's been fairly obvious. Mm. I think that this year it's wide open. And when I thought about it, first time yesterday I had really thought about it and. No, I, I came up with basically five names. I couldn't really put them in, in any order. But from Rangers, Taverni and Morelos, I think, are the standouts. I, I think Windass obviously has a case, but... He, he needs to go some. He needs to go some for the rest of the season because he's yeah. been hit and miss. Yeah, exactly. And, and There's a lot of revisionism going on with Windass, who, yeah. who I like as a player and I have defended. But I think he needs to start proving it in the big games, uh, especially against Celtic. Definitely, and he's only listen. Windass had a lot of poor games at the start of the season, um, so you're right. I think he he would need to go some between now and the end of the season. But I think with Windass, it would basically become a good a good half season if you're judging it on the, the second half of the season. Of course, he would be up there. You could you could probably argue the same about about Goss the the, the way he's going. You no, know, if he, if he'd have been here for the full season, but Morelos and Taverni, I put them in my top five with Scott Brown. Kieran Tierney at Celtic and uh, John McGinn, who I think no, no, no Christoph Berra. I, I put Berra, 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 Windass, and and Dylan McGeer were, were the other three that were kind of in my mind that I think might have been might have been in contention. But good to see a couple of Hibs players in there, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> I did that just for you. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, Berra's been good, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I like. I like it when the awards go to, you know, go to players that go and have a, a, a creative impact. If you like, I know Tierney and Brown. It's hard to kind of say that about them, but I, I'd rather give it to kind of forward-thinking players, you no know, midfielders or, or, or strikers. Berra's done a terrific job coming in and and stabilising that Hearts defence. I think he's been a great influence on people around him there after the the Ian Cathro disaster. Um, he's been great for for Craig Levine, um, but no, I would still put, as I say, Brown, Tierney, Taverney, Morelos, and and McGinn ahead of him as my kind of top five. But it's going to be interesting to see who people who people go for because I think it's I think it's wide open. Listen, if Celtic go in one another, go in one another treble, which is you no know, very very possible, then it would be hard to see past the. The Celtic boys, obviously, but for Rangers fans' point of view, at least, you no, know, after you no know, five six years of you no know, not having a Rangers player anywhere near these awards, I think your Morelos's and and Tavernier's will will get a lot of a lot of votes because they've been they've been brilliant. We think of Morelos at twenty one years old. I know he had a had a, a kind of barren spell uh, at a certain part of the certain part of the season, but to get the goals that he's got, his performance the other night was was outstanding as a as a lone striker uh, of that age. 
then no, him, him and Tavernier will get a lot of a lot of votes this year. I'm sure of that. Before we come off the game um, as a topic, I just wanted to touch on refereeing because yeah. I felt some appalling decisions in the match. But I think more generally, we need to have a serious discussion about refereeing in Scottish football. For me, the culture of refereeing to let one go, to let challenges go on creative players that that, that would not be allowed in other leagues yeah. needs to be looked at because not only are we seeing talented players getting injured, but it also restricts the quality level in our league and it allows those with less talent to uh, impose themselves on a game in the way that they wouldn't be able to um, in, a, in, in another place. And I think it, it, it increases this idea of physicality being the most important thing that comes across in Scotland that's, that's held us back for decades. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, in saying that, Johnny, you, you don't want to lose... I, I know what you're saying, but Scottish football... No, you don't want to lose that identity either. I don't think I, I wouldn't like to see us going to you no know, being a league where you no know, it becomes like in a you no know, like in a league where you no know, every every little foul is getting pulled up and you no know, you, you don't want to see you don't want to see that either. I agree. I think it's right. the, my my big problem, Scott, is the early reducer. But you know that that you, that you get one one challenge. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that that's that's goes unchallenged far too often in our game. I don't know. Maybe listen, maybe maybe I'm a bit old fashioned. I, I like to I mean, if you go back to the, the Scott Brown, Harry Cochran incident, for example, um I mean Craig Levine Craig Levine was obviously angry about that. But but Levine's comments were you no know, that, that, that Scott Brown you no know, was clearly upset that, that Harry Cochran had bossed him to use to use Levine's words in the previous game at Tynecastle. Mm. So, so Scott wasn't going to let that happen again. No, I'm sorry, but I don't see anything wrong with that. If, if I'm as a manager, or if I'm Scott Brown, and I have been dominated in a previous game by a player, then in in the next game, I do want to go out and, and stamp my authority early. And if that means a crunching tackle, um, or or whatever, then of course you that that's got to be part of the game. I don't think we can. As I say, we we can become a no well, this kind of no Namby Pamby league where. Uh, but would you say Spain's Namby Pamby? What's that? Would you say Spain's Namby Pamby? Um, Atletico Madrid are pretty. <laughs> yeah, pretty of tough. course, of course, but I don't I don't see what the no I don't see what the solution is other than referees referees get better and and how do we do that? I mean that's a that's another debate altogether. No, I agree that, uh, and listen, it's been talked about for years about refs in Scotland becoming becoming full-time professionals. I, I would be in favour of that. I would agree with that. I think if they were, no, if they were full-time, they would be, no, ultimately, they, they would be fitter and better. Um, but, no, that, that's, that's a big, that's a big road to go down. I think it's, I think it's a long way off. I know, I know Scottish refs, or that I've been at a lot of games when when I thought the refereeing has been really poor, and I've I've been vocal uh, on some referees who I think are just fundamentally poor at the job. I mean, the, the one I keep going on about, and I, as I said, I'm not it's not like a, a personal thing, uh, but Alan Muir to me 
over a number of years has probably been the worst the worst referee we've had in Scottish football. Um I mean probably the, the, the biggest example of that. He he was the he he was the extra official, if you remember, right behind the goal for the Celtic Inverness Scottish Cup game when when he's standing looking at, at Josh Meeking's handball right in front of him but but somehow didn't see it. But there's been a number of Alan Muir incidents. Um, I mean, I know guys like guys like Willie Collum, John Beaton, Bobby Madden probably a bit more uh, have a bit more profile th- than Muir. But I think they're they're far better referees uh, referees than he is. I mean, Bobby Madden, for instance, I think if you asked any of the, the journalists who go to games regularly, but no, Madden has a has a kind of specific style, a specific approach. Which I think is good, no. And what you're saying, he's maybe no your type of referee because Bobby Madden, to me, does does let things go and does give players a bit of leeway. He's willing to give them a chance, no. No, if it's a if it's a mistime tackle early in the game, he's willing to, no, have a have a quiet word in the ear. I, I quite like that. I I think he likes to see the game flowing and being kind of all action, and he'll only really kind of put his foot down. If it gets out of hand, um, every referee is different, but I, I quite like that that style. The, pr- oh. the problem, the problem is this year, and it's probably what you're getting at is that you no know, Rangers. I would, I would say, it's kind of undeniable have been, you know, have been the victims of a few bad tackles. I mean, that's now. You know, what's that? If you count Ryan Jack against Motherwell, um, Jamie Murphy the other night against St Johnson. There was a couple of bad challenges on Murphy, just generally. Yeah, but I think Mur- that was Murphy the other night, basically went off injured with a challenge that, that didn't warrant a yellow card. Uh, Ryan Jack, Ryan Jack's now out for the season. Um, a tackle from uh, from the Motherwell uh, boy, the game at Ibrooks, mm-hmm. which, which didn't warrant a yellow card. The other one's Graham Dorans, obviously, who... No, I, I was at the the, the Kilmarnock game. I think that was Pedro Cusinha's last game. Dorans took a real whack from uh, Alan Power at Kilmarnock in the game, and Rangers got a free kick, but there was no booking. And Dorans has, you know, as a result of that challenge, has missed missed months of, of football. And we'll be back to the end of March. I think I think Rangers, you no, know, in, in in those instances, are right to feel. Feel aggrieved. A few things have have went against them, and that it's not been major decisions, but but it's wrong that that tackles like that. You know, when you see some of the bookings handed out and some of the some of the daft, you no know, yellow or red cards that referees dish out. You no, know, whether it's silly things like kicking the ball away or you know, things that have no impact on the player don't don't hurt anyone, but real bad challenges uh, like those challenges in the Murphy one. It was bad the other night with the guy, you know, the guy goes in his his toe. I mean, we've not got any update on on Murphy's injury, but that could be a, a broken metatarso or or whatever. So, it's, and he's been superb and yeah, superb form. but it's tackles like that that really that that's where the problem is. Referees need to be able to recognise, you know, bad challenges that 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 actually injure opponents. Other than these than these silly ones, I mean, we've seen some. Some crazy yellow and red cards this season for for next to nothing, and yet these uh, these bad challenges have went have went unpunished. I, I think that's the that's the problem. And who knows? You know, people might argue refs going full time wouldn't change that, but 
I, th- I think there's an argument that, that it could. I think if referees were full-time studying games, uh, studying tackles, studying challenges, you know, speaking to you know, sports scientists at clubs, speaking to coaches, you know, going to clubs, I think ultimately if you were full-time and you were putting that much, uh, that much into it, you would have a better understanding of the game, better understanding of these challenges, and, and ultimately that that should improve the standard. It's some part-time gig anyway, isn't it? I mean, if they did 38 games a season at a grand a game, yeah. that's some part-time gig, 38 that, grand a year. Is that, is that what it is, a grand a game now? Yeah, ah, it's around a grand a game. Ah, it's not bad. You <laughs> uh, get some, some abuse for it, though. In terms of the, the, the game, I just wanted to bring up one... Last point, I know I said that I was going to move on after this, but there was just something else. Just with regards to the goal that Rangers lost, uh, a fairly rudimentary corner that yep. resulted in a, in, a, in, a, in a header very, very close to goal. Looking at the stats for the season, just one thing jumped out at me for next year. Uh, Rangers goal scored 59. Now, Celtic have only got 56. So Rangers yep. are now the top scoring team in the Scottish Premiership this season. Yep. Goals conceded, Celtic 18, Rangers 32. It seems yeah. to me to be fairly clear where the issue is. Of course it is. I don't want to be too hard on Russell Martin because I can see a lot of what he's given to the team positively. I think his distribution from the backs has been pretty decent overall. Uh, and he's got a calmness about him. In the air, though, for me, Bruno Alves is, is a significant step, step up. And just yeah. generally, I think they need to get Alves back in the team. Yeah. I actually disagree with you on Martin's distribution. I think I think it's been poor since he since he got here. I think that's been one of the, the disappointing aspects, particularly games at Ibrooks when Rangers Rangers are trying to build build attacks and build for the back. I think some of his distribution has been uh, has been bang average. And and when when he's beside Young Bates, who we all know isn't renowned for his distribution, he's in the team for. For his other attributes, you know, combining those two, it does. That's a problem for Rangers. I think particularly Ibrooks, when they need the distribution for the back to be to be good. Um, in terms of the goal the other night, again, as you say, I don't. I, I genuinely know trying to go on Russell Martin's case because, like you, I can see the things that he would bring. We've spoke about it before. His experience, his leadership. I don't doubt he's a terrific pro. I don't doubt people in the dressing room will look up to him. But there's no getting away from the fact it was his man that scored the goal at the corner there and he loses him far too easily. I think Wes Fodringham is culpable as well, gets mm-hmm. caught under the ball and gets no, gets nowhere near it. But ultimately, Martin's doing a, a man-Martin job on the, I think it was Jason Kerr that, that scored the goal and he loses him. Uh, and that's no good enough. You just can't... You can't get away for that. And as you say, when you look at the, the, the stats or the goals conceded, it's clear that that's where Rangers need to improve on. I don't think it, it's a secret to anyone um, that in the summer that they're going to need to sort that sort that out, whether it's Russell Martin or, or whoever. Someday we'll need to come in permanently to shore up that defence and be a regular centre-back starter Every week, no, almost in the they, they need to go and find a when you look look back through the years, they need to go and find a Carlos Queller or a um or a Majid Bouguera or somebody. They need to go and find someone who's going to go straight in, have an impact, 
be a leader back there and uh, really, really shore it up. And at the moment, no, I hate to say it, but I, I don't think Russell Martin is going to be that guy long term. Yeah, I think there's definitely question marks about that. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. In terms of Martin's deal, I mean, I know he's got another year left at the end of the season with Norwich. Yeah. But what's the talk in the camp with regards to that? Is the idea that he goes back or...? Well, having spoke to Russell Martin just uh, at press conferences and stuff, I mean, reading between the lines, I think I think he quite, he quite fancies it. Um, and he'd quite fancy to stay long term. I think he's taken to it really well in terms of the club and the environment. And uh, listen, he, he already knew Graham Murty from from Norwich anyway. That's why it was uh, such an appealing kind of kind of move for him when he wasn't getting a game at Norwich. I mean, he was so out the picture down there that the the German manager uh, Daniel Farke had you no know, could see the the kind of attributes he had. In the dressing room and, and around the club, but you know, had no intention of, uh, of of picking him in his in his first team, and that's why that's why Martin wanted out. Um, I've no doubt actually Russell Martin will want to make the deal permanent. I think if Graham Murty is still in charge beyond the end of the season, well, my gut feeling is he would probably want to make it permanent as well for all the the reasons that we spoke about in terms of what Martin brings to the brings to the changing room, but. Even if he was to stay on, I don't think that would solve Rangers' uh, Rangers' defensive issues. I think he would still need to, he'd still need to go out and bring bring others in to to rectify that. Scott, you see a lot of games across Scottish football, not just Rangers that you see. Is there any young centre halves out there that you see that you think this guy could be a, a future Rangers player? I mean, John Suter's the one that jumps out. For me, although I don't think he's quite ready yet, is there anyone else that, that you think would come in and do a job for next season? Um, no, I mean, you look at the best young centre-backs that we've got. John Souter is the obvious one, but I mean, we talk about John Souter as a young player, and he is still young, but he's played so many games. I mean, I know you're saying he's not ready. I think John Souter is ready now. I think he's ready to go and play for a... No, for a Rangers or a, or a certainly a bigger club than than Hearts, uh, and I think he's also ready to go and go and play for Scotland. I'd, I'd be amazed if if Alec McLeish hasn't got John Souter in his uh, in his first Scotland squad for these these games in March. He's the obvious one because of the amount of games he's played. Um, ironically enough, his his brother uh, Harry is a, is another one who's who's on loan at Ross County. Uh, from Stoke City, I know the people at Stoke, you no, know, really rate him, rate him highly. Uh, he's about nine foot tall, isn't he? He is. He's huge. Uh, yeah, so he'll, he'll fit in well at Stoke. He'll be the <laughs> Ryan Shawcross. He's natural replacement, I think. So uh, he's just got a new deal at Stoke. They 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 really like him. He's he's got different attributes to to John. Um, but I, if he keeps progressing, I, mean, I know Ross County aren't aren't doing so well at the minute. But it was just a case of him getting out and, and playing games. If he keeps progressing, I expect him to be a to be a really good player. Um, I'd love to see him actually get into that Stoke team. You know, some big names down there. I've talked about Shawcross and uh, Kurt Zuma and people like that. You know, that he's got to get in, get in ahead of. But I'd like to see him progress. The others, Scott McKenna, I suppose at Aberdeen, um, different. Again, different styles, more of an old-fashioned, more like a kind of David Bates, actually, in, in that kind of mould. 
I'm not convinced he's ready to be real tall. I don't think he's as good as no, he's as good as the the Suter brothers or even even Ross McCrory for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. The the one who's who has impressed me the most this season in a single game was uh, was Ryan Porteous at Hibs. I mean the the way the way he played at Ibrooks when when Hibs beat Rangers. Yeah, we spoke about this on the pod at the time when Hibs were really struggling for bodies defensively. I think Darren McGregor and Paul Hanlon were both out, and Porteous came in and almost played you know, in a three-man defence, but pretty much played on his own as a centre-back up against Morelos and obviously with Windass just in behind. And Portis was outstanding. Uh, I watched him for Scotland under-19s over a year ago when he played. Uh, he actually played beside, I think, him, Harry Souter and Ross McCrory were the three centre-backs. And the three of them kind of rotated for the, the Euro qualifiers at under-19 level. And Porteous impressed me then. But since then, I think he's actually came on. And you know, he's got to go and get a regular game for Hibs because Neil Lennon does like that McGregor-Hanlon partnership when they play in a four. But if Porteous keeps progressing and keeps going the way he's going, then I think he could be a real, uh, a real fine for Hibs and someone that, that big clubs... Would would uh, would go and look at if he's playing if he's playing every week and and doing well for Hibs. I think uh, I think he's one to watch definitely. Okay, we're going to move on finally to Graham Murty. I have to say, I am slowly turning around to the idea that Graham Murty should be given the opportunity based on what he's done so far to become the Rangers manager. And I think it's still early days in that. I think we have to get yeah. to the end of the season and review it. Yeah, but. I think there's little doubt that he's doing a, a fantastic job. And yeah. there seems to be a synergy between him and Mark Allen. Between him and, if you look at the body language, between him and Jonathan Johansson on the touchline, they seem like they're very, very tight. They've got Jimmy yeah. Nichol there as well. Yeah. It seems like there's a good balance and a good blend of experience and personalities throughout the club. Yeah, I mean, I think the signs are good, Johnny, but I agree... You probably need to wait until the end of the season. I mean, they obviously struck a deal with Murty that, that you know, that was how it was going to be. It was going to be right. Let's see how you do until the summer. I don't see, I mean, I know some people, again, some punters on social media, and there's a wee kind of clamour, you know, just you know, make, him the, make him the permanent manager, getting carried mm-hmm. away a wee bit with, with recent results. I think the sensible approach now is to wait until the end of the season, see where Rangers finish up. How close did they get to Celtic in the league? How did they perform in the last two old firm games? And crucially, you no, know, how far did they go in the in the Scottish Cup? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions still to be still to be answered uh, in terms of Graham Murty. From from a media point of view, he's excellent to deal with. Uh, would have no qualms. In that regard, about him getting the job, I think he speaks very well. I think he's a good ambassador for the for the club. Um, so I think he's I think he's got that he's got that element of it. On that element, Scott, it's been a vast difference between Murty and Pedro Cashina in terms of the press conferences. Yeah, of course. Dare I say it, Murty is a little a little dull um, yeah. in the way he delivers them, but that that's a good thing for the club. I think after. Yeah, it's no good for journalists trying to get a line at him right enough. But but listen, I I agree that is what was required after Kishinya. And I and I think 
Graham Murty spoke a couple of times about uh, no speaking to Walter Smith and taking a bit of advice off him, and I've no doubt Walter. No, if if Walter has been asked by Murty about that side of it, he he'll have guided him in, in that kind of direction in terms of you know the right things to say, how to deal with tricky questions, how to how to dodge questions. I mean, I asked him a asked asked him a question last week in the the Sunday's press conference about uh, David Bates' contract situation, which me personally I think it's 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 a bit strange that the Rangers haven't seemed to kind of. No, close that one and, and get get Bates on a, a longer term deal. But he dodged it brilliantly. <laughs> he spoke he spoke for about thirty seconds to a minute, uh, and just kind of fudged the uh, fudged the issue, but did it in a very no a very nice very nice manner, uh, without actually answering the question. So as I say, he's got he's got that side of it down to a T now. I think he fully appreciates the the magnitude of the job, the scrutiny that he's under, so he knows how to deal with that side of it. And listen, that's that's a huge part. I mean, if you go and get rid of Murty at the end of the season and bring a new guy in, the new guy could be starting for scratch in that regard. It might take him you no know, three or four months to get used to that that side of it. So Murty's got that in his favour. He's, he's nailed that down off the park. And certainly on it, as I say, signs are very good. He's got them. He's obviously made good signings in January with the help of Mark Allen and and, and the board. You no know, coming up with coming up with whatever money was required. He's made good signings. They've, they've added quality. They've went down a route that that Marty spoke about uh, during the winter break of going down this British British route. People who knew the club. People who knew the game. I don't think it was rocket science, but no, Kashinia didn't do it. Marty's Marty's done it and it's worked. It's worked for them so far. But as I say, I think we just need to hold fire slightly. There's big games coming up. No Scottish Cup quarter final, semi, maybe a final, couple of old firm games. Um, but he certainly, in terms of his his prospects of getting the job, no. Since he's had it permanently, I don't think he could have done done much more to put himself put himself in the frame. Well, where do you put it percentage wise? Uh, I reckon at the moment, I would say he's kind of. I'd have to say I think he's no. There's an eighty percent chance that Murty will get the job full time at the end of the season, um, and I think that, as I say, that remaining twenty percent will be uh, on how he does against Celtic and how he does in the cup. Uh, as I say, I, th- I think he, I think he's nailed most of it. He understands the role now. He's grown into it. I think he's actually he's got better at dealing with dealing with that side of it. I can see him improving. I can see him growing into it. But listen, it could still it could still turn if Rangers get well, if Rangers get turned over at Ibrox by Celtic. Celtic going to win another treble. No, Rangers maybe lose a, a Scottish Cup semi final or that. There'll still be a feeling come the end of the season. No, and Celtic are celebrating at Hamden winning winning on no back to back trebles. There'll, there'll be a feeling amongst a, a section of the Rangers support, right? No, this this guy's been decent, but we now need to go and get a top operator. We now go and need to get someone who can compete with with, with Brendan Rogers uh, on on that level. So we we need to hold fire at the moment, but but the signs are good, and I think there's a there's a really good chance at the moment. I think the Rangers board certainly will be thinking, no, our jobs might be might be easy come the summer because this guy 
this guy might make it easy for us. Well, I, I would agree with you on that, and I would agree with you on the eight percent thing. But I think the, the the big question mark that would hang over the the potential for someone else to come in is the yeah. structure that's 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 in place. Rangers do seem very serious about yeah. having a director of football and giving them the autonomy. Now, I think do, for a yeah. while it seems like they wanted to impinge on that a little bit and still keep their their fingers in in the pies. But I think now they've moved back and allowed Mark Allen the space to do his job and. If you're talking about a Derek McInnes type figure, or I'm just throwing that name out there as an yeah. example, it's very hard to see someone like that, an established Scottish football name, fitting into the current structure. It would be, yeah. And you've also, if you're a player's point of view, Johnny, if, you know, if it gets to the end of the season, you know, this group of players will have grown you know, immeasurably in the last the last few months under Marty. You, know, you, you look at that performance the other night, that was a well, that was a team that was kind of purring almost and looked really kind of, you know, really comfortable in their own kind of skin, the way they were playing. Um, there's there's a system there. There's a, there's, you know, dare I say, there's even a, a style there when you look at that Windass goal, how that was how that was created. So everything does seem very settled at the moment. And you're right, yep. if they do turn around at the end of the season and say, no, Graham Murty's not the man, no, there would be a lot. There would be a lot of upheaval, upheaval again in terms of a new guy coming in. These lone players, you no, know, the new guy comes in, doesn't he fancy this group of lone players who have who have, who have done well for the club eh, until the summer? So there'll be a lot of changes, you no, know, needed to be made again, and that's no really what, what Rangers what Rangers need. Um, but again, it'll be it'll be results. D- dependent. We need to we need to wait and see how they do it. I mean, an- another small thing, just what you're saying about the about the structure and about everything being settled. I mean, I know behind the scenes at Rangers, uh, Peter Lovingcrans is now doing the the under twenties role. He's been kind of promoted, if you like, into the the multi role. Now, granted, it's still Rangers will say it's still a temporary measure at the moment with multi doing doing first team duties. But I think it's quite significant. Lovingcrans has been kind of moved up to be the under twenties coach alongside Billy Billy Kirkwood, um, kind of stepping in for Murty, if you like. And so everything is is in place. You no, know, in the summer, if you gave Graham Murty a three year contract as permanent manager, it would be pretty seamless, and that will be that will be of appeal to to the Rangers board. I would imagine. Okay, that's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott8. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom to get the podcast as soon as they become available. And please like it and review us on there too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>